you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. And upon my family and upon the leadership of this church, uh, I just could not say thank you enough. And uh, it is truly an honor to have Brother and Sister Heron and their beautiful family with us, I just want you to stand to your feet and give them a great big CLC welcome as he comes to preach to us. We love you, Brother Heron, the pulpit's yours. Let's clap our hands to the Lord Jesus this morning. Praise God. Amen. I told Brother Sanchez, stand up while you're disobeying your pastor. <laughs> oh, he's my buddy. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Thank you for your hospitality. We can't say enough about this church and all the things you've done for us. I love the Jordan family very, very much. And if you love your pastor, would you get louder than you just were for us? Amen. Thank you. Praise God been trying to been trying to be there for his boys for a while and these are incredible young preachers that are going to be going far there's several preachers in this building that are going far and that's the sign of a and we're going to call him pastor but that's the sign of a bishop as an overseer and when you have ministry just coming out of you left and right technically you're a bishop and uh, and I just uh, biblically you're a bishop and so you have great, great uh, leadership ahead of you, and you have a great pastor. I hope you're thankful for who you have because he's an incredible man of God. Give honor to all the staff who I just appreciate dearly. They have done so much. The hospitality we have received here is second to none. And I give honor to my beautiful wife and my three kiddos who are the princesses here today. And so if you have a cute little boy, do not do not come by and say hi. There we go. Amen. Praise God. I told her she can date when she's dead. In fact, I don't even like her being out of the house. It's amazing when you have a daughter, things change. Amen. Some of you are nervous. Genesis 37 and Genesis 39, this is what I wanted to preach all week. Finally, about 1 o'clock this morning, the hotel room, the Lord said, this is the service. Genesis 37, 9 through 11. Genesis 39, 20. Thanks, 
expect there will be great demonstration of the Holy Ghost tonight. So I challenge you to call anyone you can that needs the Holy Ghost or a miracle and bring them here tonight. Genesis 37, 9 through 11, and Genesis 39, verse 20. This is about Joseph. He dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. and Behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? His brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Genesis 39, verse number 20. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. I want to preach to you from the subject this morning. It's, it's very prophetic, I feel, for this place. The title I will give this is You're Officially On Sight. You're Officially On Sight. That's kind of quiet in here this morning, and I know we're tired, but don't forget how many people God healed Friday night. Let's just take a moment and praise him because there were so many miracles that he did, and he loves to be praised before, during, and after he does something. And when we praise him afterwards, he wants to do it again. So when we thank the Lord right now for his power, for his authority, for his healing virtue, I worship you and I love you. I bless you. I know it's tiring and we're exhausted, but you're still the God of everything. You're the God that heals and delivers and rescues and saves. You torment my tormentors. I worship you and I praise you. You send angels to chase away the things afflicting me. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I wouldn't be here. Neither would you. Would you clap your hands and would you lift up your voice and would you let hell hear you exalt the king above every king I love you Jesus you reign in power you are alpha and omega you're the beginning and the end I love you I exalt you have your way in Jesus name praise God that feels more like CLC you may be seated timing timing Timing. Every elder I've ever had has told me those words over and over and over. Everything with God involves timing. Even though God dwells outside of time and eternity, we are flesh and we dwell inside of time. And therefore, everything we understand about our life, everything we've been promised from God, every dream we have, there's something called timing where it manifests. And, and it's very, um, it's amazing how we can either get ahead of God or behind God when it comes to the timing of God. Uh, I read a book one time, and one, it was powerful. I, I never heard this before. One guy said, if you are living in depression, you are dwelling on the past too much. 
And if you're living in anxiety, you're dwelling on the future too much. If you're living in depression, you are you think you've missed the moment, you've messed up, you've done something wrong, you re- you have regrets, you have frustrations, and therefore you're looking back at failures or missed opportunities. That would be, uh, in my mind, you're behind the timing of God. If you are saying things like that and you're living in depression, you're assuming God is through with you because of something in the past. A day to the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And the opposite is true also. Anxiety. If you're living in anxiety, you are ahead of God. If you are worried about tomorrow and, and, not, and you're not taking care of today, you are living in anxiety. The quickest way to get into anxiety is to forget everything going on right now and just dwell on something down the road. He never said, I'll give you bread tomorrow. I'll give you strength tomorrow. He said, pray, God, Father, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, I am a God of today. Before I'm a God of yesterday and tomorrow, I want you to know I'm a God of today. That's why the Bible said that he is, he is the God which is and which was and which is to come. He did not say the God which was and the God which is and the God which is to come. But he said, before I tell you about what I used to be or what I'm going to be, I want you to know what I am right now. I am the God of right now. So you must put everything about tomorrow and everything about yesterday in a basket and say, thank the Lord I am where I am right now. He has his hand on me. He's not forsaken me. I am in the will of God. So if God does indeed give you a dream or a promise, then there must be something inside of you, ready, that is an anxiety and a depression killer. Because if he could not trust you with a dream or a promise because you would think I failed too much in my past, then he would not put that upon you. And if he could not trust you with a dream or a promise because you would be so frustrated that it hasn't happened yet, he would not put that upon you. But if he's given you a dream or a promise, there must be something in you, whether you know it or not yet, that has the ability to fight off the spirits that are trying to make you nervous and anxious. I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. I promise you, if you want to kill anxiety, you've got to look the enemy in the eye and say, I'm not going to worry about what tomorrow holds for the God that I serve. Well, my yesterday, he's holding my today. He'll carry me in my tomorrow. It's it's really difficult to dream of tomorrow while you're dealing with today. Because usually the dream does not verify or solidify. It does not, it does not explain what you're going through at the moment. It does not look like anything you're going through at the moment. And so when God gives you a dream, it usually has nothing to do with what you're doing at the moment. We do know the Word says that all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. We think that every good thing works out for our good, but the Word said all things. So that means the good stuff that happened to you and the bad stuff that happened to you are working together 
for the purpose of God in your life. Stop regretting every failure and start thanking God that he did not condemn you in the failure, but is using the failure to connect you to the future. So Joseph has these two dreams, and this, this dream has 11 stars bowing down, a sun and the moon. Now, most preachers, including myself, have preached that this was Joseph's 11 brothers and mom and dad. In fact, his own dad said, is this what this means, that, this, that my, your, your 11 brothers and me and your mother are going to come bow down to you? I, however, do not think that was the case any longer because if you look at the life of Joseph, every dream he either had or interpreted involved time, number of days, number of years. The baker, three days, three baskets. He said, three days, you're going to die. The butler, the cups of wine, three days, you're going to be restored. Pharaoh's dream, seven cows eating the other seven cows. Seven corn stalks eating the other seven ears of corn. He said, that's seven years. Every dream Pharaoh or Joseph ever interpreted involved numbers, always involved time. And the reason why I say this one involved time and not the family was because it was 13 things that were bowing down to him. He's had the dream at 17 years old, and he was 30 when he stepped into the palace 13 years later. See, it's all about the timing of God. God will give you a dream and then not tell you when it's going to happen. He'll let hell get loose in your life, and you'll think this nothing, nothing I dreamed about was from God. It's going to take forever. Can I tell you if it takes three minutes or if it takes 30 years, if God gave you a dream, do not let go of it. Hang on to it. I dare say that the only reason why you're in this building right now was because you had a dream, and when hell came to steal it year after year after year, you kept holding on to it and look at the timing of God. So he has this dream, and then the dream destroyers get loose. Joseph's brothers will always be Joseph's brothers. People that love you till you let them know you're going somewhere beyond what they're doing. And when Joseph had the dream, the brothers unleashed hatred and anger toward him. You need to identify your dream destroyers early. The one thing I can see about the mercy of God here is that he knew that brothers would be mad, but he loosed the attack from the brothers in the infancy of the dream. In other words, he let people rise up against Joseph when he first had the dream. I'd rather have you try to destroy me when I first have the dream than when I'm trying to step into the doorway of destiny. That was the mercy of God. He let them go crazy on him when no one could stand up for Joseph and no one could defend him. Don't get 
get mad at God when he gives you a promise and then everything goes chaotic, everything goes crazy, family members wig out on you, and you wonder why God promised you this, then all of a sudden hell comes at you. That's a signal in the spirit world that it's a God dream, that something's going on spiritual because the Lord will always let the dream destroyers loose once you have captured the dream. Once he knows the dream, shut up, is in your spirit and there's nothing hell can do to steal it. Then they'll attack you and they'll afflict you, but you will not let go of it. You will not bow down to them because something in you is hotter than the pressure that you're dealing with from them. So I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me. God tells him these certain things bound. I want you to see something. God never told him where the location of the dream would be manifested. He just gave him a dream. He did not mention Egypt. Here's why. If God knows too much about us, if God gives me too many details about when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, with who it's going to happen, and where it's going to happen, Josh will go make it happen. You can stare at me like I'm crazy, but some of you would too. And Joseph is so bold and so vocal about everything he does that if he, fear, he hears it's going to happen in Egypt, he's going to move to Egypt. The problem is, Joe, if you do it your way, you never get on Pharaoh's radar. For you to be on the king's radar, you've got to go through something. You'll just be a tourist that lives in Egypt that no one will ever know. And there are too many people that do not see stuff manifest because they're trying to make it happen their own way. And they never get on the king's radar because they're trying to do it themselves. So... God understands that if you don't if you don't have power to fix it on your own, if you don't have power to make it happen, then you'll give me the glory when it does happen because humans are so full of pride that if they think they had a hand in anything happening at all, they will praise themselves. If you think that because you laid hands on someone Friday night and God healed their body, that it was you that healed them, you've lost your ever-loving mind. It was the power of God that flowed through your hand and touched that body. So therefore, we do not praise ourselves for what the Lord has done. We praise the Lord. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. That's why you don't praise your boss for the raise. You praise God for the raise. You don't praise your spouse. You praise the Lord. You don't praise the doctor. You praise the Lord. Don't praise the preacher. You praise the Lord. Why do you, because you have to say that. 
or else people will praise people for what stuff. If, and if you as a human start receiving praise, go read Acts 12. Tell me how that works out for you. You have the spirit of Herod when you start receiving praise. He spoke and made this great declaration. The people said, he's a God. And he let them say he was a God. And the angel smote him, which means to smite with affliction. He sent worms into his body instantly because he took praise. But God loves us so much, he lets us go through hell. Well, I'm preaching good. (laughs) Because he knows after you've suffered a while, He said, that's what the word said, after you've suffered a while, then I'll establish you. I'll settle you. I'll strengthen you. You are where you are right now because you went through so many things. But every time you went through it, God brought you out of it, and you kept praising him. And that's why you're in this building right now. No. You can be seen. God, let the enemies take control. And they took Joseph and they buried him alive in a pit. They thought they buried him. They actually planted him. I'm going to tell you what the Lord spoke to me. I, gotta, I always put a star beside when God speaks. When someone buries you in their pit of pride... They actually plant you in God's process of promise. When someone buries you in their pit of pride and they talk about you and they lower you, what they're actually doing is positioning you in the process of of the promise of God. We want everyone to like us, and that's the problem. Your friends will never connect you to your destiny, but your enemies will. I'm going to preach now. See, here's why the enemy has to be used. Here's why the enemy must be in control. The enemy does not have access to your palace, Joseph. But he does have access to your pit, your Potiphar, and your prison. And these are the mile markers on your highway to destiny. And your friends will never put you in a pit. And your friends will never put you at Potiphar's. And your friends will never put you in a prison. But your enemies sure will. But they have no idea that while they're burying you, they're positioning you for what God is going to do in your life. The road to your destiny is underground. I said the road to your destiny is underground. You've got to conquer the underworld to rule in the overworld, Joseph. And they constantly buried him. Because enemies only know one language. Fight, betray, attack, lie, accuse steal, promote themselves, and that's, that's the perfect people I'll use, God said, because I know they'll push him to the doorway of his destiny, and they won't even realize it. They'll think the lower they take him, the more discouraged he'll be. But the lower they take him, 
the closer they take him to everything I've already promised him. Oh, I know there are people out there. I've, I, 12, 15 years ago, I'd get upset when they talk about me. It was a group of them, and they would attack me. But lately, I've started noticing every time they attack, another door opens. Another door opens. And I started thanking God for what they were saying. Because the more they talked, the more God moved. The Bible said the more they afflicted God's people, the more they multiplied. So if you... We're always praising God for the good stuff. You ought to praise God for your enemies right now. Your enemies were orchestrated by God to send you to where you're headed. Oh, that was a cute patty cake. But I'm telling you, those enemies are just as vital as your best friends are, as your intercessors are. The enemies are the only ones that will push you toward your destiny. I'll ask you a straight-up question. Are you more likely to pray after a great big celebration dinner with your friends, go home and have a breakthrough prayer meeting, or after you've heard someone talked about you? In other words, it takes the attack to release the anointing. My mom told me that years ago. I said, why? People hate me. She said, your anointing demands adversity. And if you really have an anointing, you're going to have some adversaries. Stop making everybody like you. That's not prophetic. If you're truly a prophet of God, if you're truly called by God, then there must be someone who's trying to block you from what God's going to do. Somebody say he let my enemies do it. <laughs> they must appear to be in control. You can receive it. Let's go somewhere. And they took him to Egypt and they sold him. You know the story. He was a slave in Potiphar's house. He kept having authority everywhere he went even though he was a slave. So they tried to trap him. The devil did, and he said no to adultery before adultery was even a command. Anyway, and then he gets lied on. They strip his coat. He runs out, and they arrest him, and they put him in prison and hell through a party because hell always knows the people of destiny. And they throw a party when people of destiny are in a prison. Whether it be a financial prison, an emotional prison, a spiritual prison, a physical prison, a marriage, whatever, they, they'll do whatever they've got to do to put you in a place where you're bound. Only problem was they chose the wrong prison. They chose the king's prison. Because no one ever escapes the king's prison. That's where ex-employees go to sit till they get executed. People that conned Pharaoh, people that did things wrong. The king's prisoners were in there, the worst of the worst. If you either were a criminal or you worked for the king and you were done and they were done with you, they put you in the king's prison. The king's prison was right underneath the palace. And no one escapes the king's prison. So hell said, we know a spot where Joseph will never get out. 
And when they put him in the prison, the Lord spoke this to me. He said, when they put him under the palace, underground in the king's prison, he was officially on sight. He's got no money. He's got no connections. He's got no future. He's got no hope, but he's on site. And when you are on site, it does not matter what's in your way, what's hovering above. I don't care how much you owe on this building. I don't care how much you owe on this building. You are officially on site. And this is not the palace. The Lord said, I have you in a holding pattern while I work on people who can make the real dream happen. Oh, it's quiet. You, uh. You're patty caking me. You don't even realize what I just said. This building is not the destiny on this property. I rebuke that prisoner mentality right now in the name of Jesus. Debt is not your king. Debt is not your king, and doubt is not your king. The Lord brought you here and is now putting you in a holding pattern until the king sends the word, and the word will put you where you were destined to reign. Watch this. Stay standing. We're just about done. He's underground. Devil's screaming at him. You're done. The only thing after this is death. And then God gives the king a dream. And no one can make the dream happen but the kid in the prison. And so, guess what? The king sends the word. Now watch this. The king's up in the palace. Joseph's down in the dungeon. But one word from the king trickles through everyone who was next in line. Everyone who had manipulative desires to be in control. Everyone who had positioned themselves to reign. People that wanted to undercut Pharaoh. People that were doing great and gifted. People that could normally interpret dreams. And the word trickles down past all of them to the people above Joseph, to the guards of the prison cell, down to where this one person was. Because when God sends a word to your destiny, it does not matter who is in the way, where their position, how high they are up. When God decides to raise you up, there is not a devil in hell or a family member in your house or an ex-friend or an ex-spouse. It doesn't matter who they are. They cannot stop you from what the Lord is going to elevate you to become. Yeah. 
want you to I want you to remember something. Said that when he sent the word, they got Joseph hastily. I saw this during church today. When God elevates this church, I'm talking. This is something big. Something big is coming here, bigger than this. This building's already full already. You've been here five months. It will be a quick thing. It might take a while to, to manifest, but once stuff starts happening, it will be a quick thing. Like the woman that begged the judge over and over and over, and he said, she's troubling me. And the Bible said, he avenged her. He said, so will I avenge you speedily. Though I bear long with you, yet shall I avenge you speedily. In other words, you're going to hold in a pattern for a while. But after you've held a while, after you've held on to your ground, held on to your dream, I'm going to bring something out of nowhere. It's going to be unleashed in the atmosphere, and I will do a quick work. And some of you have no idea what I'm preaching because I'm prophesying. To, I feel like Ezekiel right now. But the wind hears me, and the spirit world hears me, and the devils of Frankfurt hear me right now. They know what I'm saying is true. I've been sent by God with a word. This is what the Lord sent me to tell you. This is not the destiny. This is where you're being held, but you are on sight. I said you are on sight. You are on sight. You're on site for your future. You're on site for your ministry. You're on site for your family. Someone trying to make you move, trying to get away. Someone's bitter, upset. I think I'm just going to move. That's the devil trying to get you away from where God's trying to elevate you into. I'm done. I want to tell you this. Bible said Joseph shaved himself and changed his raiment. I always pictured in my mind Joseph shaving his beard. According to everything I read in history, he shaved his beard and his head. Because pharaohs shaved their heads. He was planning to stay. No one said he had to shave. If he shaves the beard, he still looks like a Hebrew. But if he shaves the head, he's saying, I'm going to dwell. That's where I'm headed. I've been promised that the entire time. When I get there, he'll know I belong in the atmosphere. Some of you on the edge need to stop criticizing the culture of this church and embrace the culture and become the culture of this church. You're going to fit in faster than you think you will if you connect yourself to it. And he changed his raiment. He said, what I'm wearing and how I look won't keep me. In my destiny. I don't have I don't have any control over what I wear. I have any control over money. I have no I have nothing to offer. But I'm gonna do everything I can to let the king know I belong here. 
I belong here. I can help you. I can help you, Pastor. I can help you with your dream. I can help you, Pastor. I can help you. I belong here. I may not have everything I can offer. I wish I had more to give you, Pastor, but I, I belong here. I may not be able to do things everyone else can do. I can't sing like Brother Dylan. I can't play the drums like Brother Danny. I can't teach like a, but I belong here. I belong here. I'll do whatever you need. I'll clean the restroom. I'll vacuum the whatever. I'll park cars. I'll do whatever because I belong here. My destiny is calling me out of my prison of doubt and frustration and unbelief and fear and worry. You're just a shave away. Some of you, I don't know why I'm preaching this. You're just a thing or two away from being all in. It's time to get all in. Here's why. I don't want to go have a moment with my destiny. But ultimately forfeit my destiny because I wouldn't embrace the culture and go back to my prison. So I'm going to do everything I can to be involved with the culture of the king because he's called me here. He's called you here. And because he called you here, you've got to do everything you can to connect here. That means, now just, 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 just buckle your seatbelt, stay standing. That means if you've been being faithful to church and prayer meeting and you love pastor and you love the church, but you don't pay your tithes. You're just a shave away. It's not that you're wrong. It's not that I'm not rebuking you. I'm just telling you, you're just a shave away. You're just a little, a little step. Maybe you pay your tithes, but you don't come on Sunday night or Wednesday night. The king is calling. Maybe you do come on Sunday, Wednesday, and pay your tithes. Help me, Holy Ghost, right now. But you don't show up to help work. I'm not rebuking you. I'm trying to help you get to where God can elevate you and bless you with all the things he's been pro Aren't you tired of hovering promises, of hovering dreams? To shave the thing that's in the way. This is, I, know this, I know this isn't true here. I know it's not true here. But ladies, if you're submitted to pastor but not Sister Jordan... You have to say it. 
You have to say this because there are some churches, believe it or not, where some ladies love their pastor but not their pastor's wife. That's not love. That's lust. Oh, it's, I'm in the Holy Ghost. Yes, I am. It doesn't matter what attitude you've got right now. If you really want God to bless you, you've got to embrace the culture of where God's trying to connect you. Be who they are. God has placed you in a position to have favor and power. And guess what? When he did everything he was supposed to do, it unlocks every dream he had and more. And the Pharaoh puts all the stuff, the new robe on him, new identity. Gave him a new ride. Who, who needs a new car? That's just a quick answer right there. New ride. A ring on his finger, which had Pharaoh's name on it. And he would dip it in ink and sign documents. He had the name of the king. If anyone challenged Joseph's laws or things Joseph commanded, he would just stamp it in ink. And the name of the king was placed on what he said. That's, that's all of the message. And when he did all of that, the Bible said all of Egypt bowed the knee. If it was just his 11 brothers and mother and father that were going to bow down, that would make sense for the three 13 things. But it wasn't about them. It was 13 years before everything in the world, sun, moon, stars, the world bowed down to him. You are on the doorstep of the greatest revival, not just this church, not just this city, but this region of this state has ever had in the history of the United States of America. This region of this state has never had the revival. There are angels in here right now. Has never had the revival that you are about to have. All you have to do is say, I'm all in. I'm all in with CLC. I'm all in, Pastor. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I've made the shave. I'm heading. I'm changing my identity. I'm changing the garment of bitterness. Take off the garment of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. Come on, someone. Take off that depression. Take off that bad attitude. Take off that jealousy and put on praise. Put on unity. Put on support. And the last thing I want to say, here comes Joseph's brothers. And every enemy that tried to bury you is going to bow to you. Whether the enemies were in your mind, in your finances, in your home, in your family, if they were just people from other cross town, people that have tried to stop you, once you make up your mind, I'm all the way in, God will bring them to you to let you know I have repositioned them. They no longer are above you. In other words, I flipped the script, and what was under is now over, and what was beneath is now above because he said you are the head and not the tail.
hell. You are above and not beneath. If hell's trying to make you live beneath, it's because there's a signal in the spirit world that you're destined to reign above and they don't want it to happen. But just embrace what God has given you. Keep holding on to the dream. Be faithful in everything you can and God will flip it and you will be over what you have been under and you will reign where you are in terror and you will have power where you had pain. I don't know if you realize it, but the prophetic of the is flowing in this room right now. If I was anybody that went to this church, I would be grabbing these words. So I receive it in my family. I receive it from my children. I receive it from my ministry. I receive it from my mind, from my spirit. I receive this in my life. I receive this. Put this on me. Put this on me. You're officially on sight. In other words, your enemies have gone as far as they were allowed to go. But the debt you're under, you will one day rip the note, Shakotala Mahaya, and it will be gone because everything they've tried to bury you in was God's plan all along to produce the revival only you could produce. Someone worship the Lord right now in this building. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice and worship the Lord. Something is going to happen if you embrace what God's trying to connect you to. Come on, tell the Lord I embrace it. Show me what I need to shave. Show me what I need to change. Show me what I need to do. How can I be more involved? How can I be more submitted? How can I be more faithful? How can I change my, I'm, the enemy's not the problem. I'm the problem. How can I fix me? How can I fix me? How can I fix me? Friday night was a signal to you of the power that God wants to display in this church on a continual basis. The miraculous dwells here. You just that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost.
See the cloud. See the cloud. See the cloud. See the cloud. That's your signal. That's your signal. That's your signal. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. The drought is over. The drought is ending. The drought is ending. Financial drought is ending. Harvest drought is ending. See the cloud. See the cloud. The king has sent the word. Are you ready to receive it? The drought is ending. The drought is ending. Can you can you run with the word? The drought is ending. The drought is ending. The drought is ending. I speak divine employment right now in this place. In the name of Jesus, I release employment. I come against the spirit of being laid off in this city. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let people who've been laid off receive jobs, receive promotions, receive blessings financially. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let go of this church's finances, hell. Let go of it. Corporately and individually. I come against the attack of finances. I come against the devouring spirit. We are on site. We are on site. We are on site. We are on site. With one command, Joseph went from having nothing to having everything. You're on site. Brother Spencer, you're on site in Lebanon. You're on site. You're on site. Don't let hell discourage you. The finances will come. The people will come. You're on site, buddy. You're on site. It was two years in the prison when God elevated Joseph. You've been there two years, buddy. God's going to elevate you. God, send people, I pray. Send people with strength. Send people with submission. Send people with good attitudes. I know he's got some already that are great people. Send some more people. Send some more. 
poor people. Let Lebanon have a harvest. Let there be a reaping in Lebanon. You've seen the tears he's cried. You've seen the people he's witnessed to. You've seen the doors he's knocked. Let there be a revival in that in the name of Jesus. 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 You ought to grab somebody's hand right now beside you. You don't know what prison they're in, but just hold that hand. Come on, pray for God to send him a word. Pray for the king to speak. Pray for the king to dream. Oh, Lord, come on, release your dreams on me, God. Release your dreams in my prison cell. Release your dreams in my mind. Release your dreams in my doubt. Release your dreams in my spirit. Tell me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to do. Tell me where you want me to go. Show me what you want me to do. Where the word of a king is, there's power. There's deliverance. The shift has begun. The shift has begun. Time to shave, Joseph. 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 The king said, hurry up and get him. And Joseph said, if I'm going, I'm going to stay. If I'm going, I'm going to stay. Are you with this man right here? Are you with your pastor? Don't be the one with the bad spirit. Don't be the one with the bad attitude. Be Joseph. Whatever I can do, whatever I can be, here I am. Because if you'll be like that, God can trust you with blessings, promises, and dreams in your family, in your home, in your future. God bless you. Come on, receive the word of the Lord with gladness right now. Thank the Lord for his word. Lift up your voice and give him praise. Thank him for his word.
Hallelujah. In the Holy Ghost, I want you to move. This isn't jovial. In the Holy Ghost, I want you to move to about 10 people that the Lord impresses you to go to and tell them you're on site. I want you to go tell about 10 people you're on site. Come on, don't not jovial about it. Go speak it to them. You're on site. You're right where God wants you. You're doing what God wants you to do. Don't fear. Don't doubt. That's it. Go ahead and pray one for another. That's it. Go ahead and pray one for another. God's not done yet. Go ahead and pray one for another. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, grab about five more people. Pray over somebody. Tell them God has got you on sight. He's got you right where he wants you. He placed you. He has set your feet like hinds feet.